0: Merry Christmas, everybody! Merry Christmas. Just love that you're here and uh, that you chose to be with us. You could be anywhere, and uh, honored to, to do Christmas Eve with you. Hey, we're gonna celebrate because the candle's lit, so let's let's do that. Yeah. Well, uh, yesterday we had two services and the wonderful, the Lord came and we had 75 people make decisions for Christ. So we celebrate that. And uh, the service today, uh, we haven't got the numbers in yet, but we will celebrate that with you uh, here in the near future. Uh, welcome to the fourth uh, of uh, Wine's Christmas services just want to take a moment and reflect and think about what Christmas is all about. If you're a lady, you can raise your hand. If you're a man, you probably don't want to here. But how many of you ladies like those Hallmark Christmas movies? Let me see your hands. All right. <laughs> well, I'm married to one of those ladies. And let me, let me just say, for the sake of marital alignment, I have watched a few, <laughs> more than a few. And after sitting through several of them, uh, those Hallmark Christmas movies, you can kind of know what's gonna happen after you watch several of them, you know? The storylines don't vary a, a lot. Uh, I know that about halfway through the movie, the two main characters are gonna start having feelings for one another. And I know that just before they're about to make it official, you know, a, uh, an official couple relationship. One of them is going to get offered the dream job of their life, a thousand miles away in the other direction from the other person. And I know that instead of taking that dream job, then he or she is going to have an aha moment, a moment of clarity, and decide to stay. What was I thinking? I'm going to stay with that person that I fell in love with. And we all know what's going to happen at the end of the movie. They're going to kiss. And I know about that time, I'm gonna look over at my wife and she's gonna say, now you've got to admit, that was a good one. <laughs> I mean, she's, she says it every time. Yeah. And who doesn't like a warm and fuzzy feeling to get at the end of a good movie, right? I mean, having a Hallmark moment is great, yeah? But as you know, and as I know, once the movie's over, we're thrown right back into reality in this world. You know, a world that's actually filled with real pain at times and heartache and suffering and sometimes a family that can be uh, pretty dysfunctional. Uh, A real cousin Eddie that's going to be attending your Christmas gathering, you know. Uh, In a world where relationships are many times strained and divorce happens, and people we love get sick. Sometimes they even die suddenly. And therefore we experience, we all do, times of deep sadness and loss and sorrow. That's, that's reality. And it's during these seasons in our life that we really need something more than just a good hallmark moment to sustain us, right? and to give us the hope that we need to carry through. And of course, the only one who can do that is the, the one who, the God who loves us, create us. And so we're in a teaching series called Hope Has a Name and it's about God's great gift to us. And it's based on one of the most famous prophecies given about Jesus in the Bible, The prophet Isaiah wrote this about Jesus more than seven centuries before Jesus was born. And here's Isaiah's prophecy. It begins Isaiah chapter seven. We'll begin reading verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. For a child is born to us, a son is given in Isaiah 9, 6, and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called, and let's let's do this with one voice. Are you ready? All together. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You see, the, the, the birth of Jesus addresses our problem in two ways. First, in sending Jesus, God was dealing with our problem at its roots, and the root of all of our problems here on this earth is that we, born into sin, we are separated from God. Now, if you ask the normal person on the street, uh gal or girl, what's your biggest problem in life, they, they well, I've got this relationship problem, or I've got, you know, this bad situation going on in my life, but what most folks do not realize is that the biggest problem is being separated from God. And the Bible explains how our sin has done that. It separated us from God, and which is why God sent Jesus, His Son, to our world to bridge that separation and to give every person, everyone who's here, every person who's ever lived, an opportunity to have their sins to be forgiven and have new life, spiritual awakening in their life forever. And so at the close of this talk today, I get to do what I have the privilege of doing most Sundays, and that is to lead folks through a prayer and invite anyone who would desire uh, to be connected in a right relationship with God and to say that prayer with me. And the Bible says that a prayer uh, uh, prayed in sincere faith will cause us to no longer be separated from God but to to be in a right relationship and, and the gift of new life and the gift of a new relationship will begin. And that can happen all before you leave here tonight. God has extended that offer to everyone and i got to tell you, man, it is the best gift ever. Amen? Amen? The second way this promise speaks to our situation is in the four relational names that we, of Christ that we just read together, which reflect how he wants to relate to us in our everyday lives. That Christ wants to be your counselor, the one who guides you and directs you so we don't have to walk in the dark through this life and wonder. And he wants to be the one who gives his power in us so that we would have strength for living. And he wants to be that loving and affirming father that many of us have never even had before. And he wants to fill your heart and mind every day with his supernatural peace. Who wouldn't want a gift like that? If that's true? And you know, it's kind of rare these days to find someone who's totally at, at peace. Wouldn't you say that? I mean, most of, our, most of us live lives that are very busy and we, so we're tired, stressed out, worried. It's rare to come across someone these days who's, totally at peace, at peace with themselves, at peace with God, at peace with circumstances the surrounding going on around them. And yet the Bible says that's the very reason, that's one of the very reasons why Jesus came to this earth to be our prince of peace. Isaiah prophesied it. And the first Christmas when Jesus was born, Scripture tells us that the angels appeared to the shepherds, and do you remember, do you remember what, the, what the angels told the shepherds? They announced glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven, and here's the word, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So, Isaiah announced it, the angels announced peace. And then you, you read on in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus began his ministry there at age 30, and, and when, when he would talk to people, and he would greet them, and they're coming and going, he would often say to them what? Peace be with you. That's what he'd say. And whenever something would happen in the people's lives, lives uh, even something traumatic He'd tell people, now go in peace. (laughs) His ministry was focused on bringing the gift of peace to everyone's life. That's why he came. In the book of Acts, we read that 40 days after Jesus' resurrection, you know, just before he ascends back into heaven, his last words to us is this. Check it out. John 14. Jesus speaking, he says, I am giving you the gift of what? I'm giving you the gift of peace, the kind of peace that only I can give. In other words, it's not like the peace that the world has to offer or could give. It's a divine peace that only God can give. Isn't it interesting how, you know, someone could have a lot of stuff, have a lot of money in the bank, but no peace in their heart? Or how... You can be, quote, successful on the outside and still be incredibly empty on the inside. Or how you can be married and not have peace in your home. Not a good time to say amen, guys. (laughs) Uh, I, I I think most people, if they're really being honest, they'd say, you know, most days I really don't have I really don't experience a lot of peace in my life. In fact, I think most people would say the opposite. There's, there's stress, there's anxiety, there's tension, there's worry, worried about, is this going to work out? Uh, anxious about, hey, is this going to happen the way I th- want it to happen? Well, in our remaining time together, I want us to look in the scriptures of how a person can experience God's peace in their life how you get it, and how you can keep it, all right? Now, there are actually 790 verses on this subject of peace in the Bible. So, we're going to look at every one of them, all right? No, (laughs) no, just kidding. Let me summarize what these verses in the Bible are saying about peace. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So the word peace in the Bible comes from a really rich uh, Hebrew word, and it's the word shalom. Say it with me. Shalom. It's a biblical term that means uh, really way more than uh, the way that we typically would use it in our English language, uh, the word peace. Shalom in this verse It means a lot of things, but it means wholeness, it means completeness, it means the fullness of peace, shalom. It's as everything should be, all right? It's as everything should be. That one's for you, Dr. Ray. (laughs) Uh, It's experiencing God's peace in every way. It's experiencing wholeness. spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. Spiritually, in our relationship with God, emotionally, regardless of what the chaos going on on the outside, externally, and relationally, in our relationships with other folks, with other people. Now, obviously, relationally, it takes two people to want peace, right? So, the Bible says this, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, Christ follower, live at peace with everyone. Now, not everybody wants that, and so you can only do so much. You can, you, you, but you take the initiative, is what he's saying. And then you lay your head on your pillow knowing, hey, I've, I've done all I can do. Spiritually, I'm at peace because, well, I've made peace with God which is the most important of all three because that affects them the most. It's what affects everything. Emotionally, I'm at peace because now I have the Prince of Peace in me. And that's why in Colossians 3, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, in your hearts, emotional peace. So regardless of what's going on and around me and externally, the things maybe aren't ideally the way I want it to be right now, but still, I have God's shalom, His peace, that's residing in me. His shalom is still present in my life. You, God, will keep in perfect peace. You know what's cool about this verse is that the literal translation says, "You, You, God will, be, uh, you will be kept in." Shalom, shalom. The Hebrew word is two. You'll be kept in shalom, shalom. It appears twice. This is an emphatic statement in the Hebrew language, meaning that God wants to give you a double portion of his peace. Anybody want to say, I'm I'm here. Yeah. He wants to give you a double portion of his peace. And he wants to give you more than, than you even need. That's just the God we serve. That loves us. Now, the biggest difference in the way that the Bible uses the word peace versus the way we would normally use peace here uh, in our English language is that peace in the Bible doesn't have to wait until there's not any problems before you experience God's shalom, all right? Now, we would typically say, okay, there's no strife or conflict in my in my home or at work or in my relationships with other people, therefore, I'm experiencing peace. In other words, I'm at peace because of the absence of problems in my life, all right? That's how we would typically use it. But here's what Jesus said, in this world, here on earth, you will have trouble. That's what he says. There's going to be trouble. But he also said you don't have to wait until there's no trouble to have peace. Jesus came so that you could experience peace even in the storms of life. Even when others don't want to have peace with you. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can still experience as he holds your hand peace. To experience God's shalom doesn't mean you, you're not going to have problems. It doesn't mean you'll never get sick. It doesn't mean nothing ever uh, is going to go wrong in your life. Nothing's going to break. No. BECAUSE PEACE IS NOT FOUND IN THE ABSENCE OF PROBLEMS. THAT'S that's THE BIBLICAL DESCRIPTION OF PEACE. SO HOW DOES ONE FIND THIS KIND OF PEACE? HOW DO YOU EXPERIENCE SHALOM, GOD'S SHALOM IN YOUR LIFE? WELL, SOME OF YOU MAY BE sitting THERE TONIGHT, AND YOU'RE LIKE, WELL, HEY, I BELIEVE IN GOD. I'VE PUT MY FAITH IN CHRIST. But I generally struggle a lot of times with being at peace throughout my day, especially all craziness you know going on around, around me. So you may be sitting there wondering, hey, if, if, if Jesus really came to be our Prince of Peace, why am I not experiencing his shalom in my life? Well, let's address that for a moment. What's the opposite of the peace that we're talking about here tonight. Go ahead and talk to me. What's the opposite of peace? Yeah, yeah. Say it louder. There, thank you. So So there's anxiety, there's stress, there's chaos, worry. You know, worry is the enemy of peace. The Apostle Paul was never one to mess with words and he just says directly to Christ followers, he says, don't worry about anything. <laughs> you know, the more I've stayed on this subject of worry in scripture, the more I realize that worry is not the real issue at all. Worry is just a decoy. The real issue is trust. You, God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Oswald Chambers who said, worry is an indication that we think God cannot look after us. And I really like Francis Chan's quote where he says, quote, worry implies that we don't quite trust that God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what's happening in our lives. You see, when we worry, we're not believing the truth about God's Word. We're not believing truth at all. We're doubting that God sees, that He knows, that He cares, and that He is more than able. And when we worry, what we're saying is, God, I'm really having a hard time trusting you here. You know, I don't think you got things under control. I mean, that's why we worry. Now, if you're struggling with doubt that God has got this, whatever you're worried about, uh, then what you're saying is, I need to try to take control of it. You know, I'm going to take the reins here. If you're a controller, let's just get honest. If you're a controller, you're a worrier, right? People who are at peace don't have the need to control everything. They simply rest in knowing who our God is. Our God is able. He is faithful. He is reliable. He knows better than I do. He's bigger than I do. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Therefore, I don't have to fear. and I don't have to worry. I just trust in who He is that He's got this. I trust that He's got it. I took it to Him. You, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all those whose thoughts are fixed on him. You know, when your thoughts are fixed on God, what are you doing? Well, you're praying, right? You're thinking about him. You're in communion with him. You're you're thinking about who he is, and you're listening and talking to him. Your, Your thoughts are fixed on him. Paul said, don't worry about anything. Instead, what? Pray about everything then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So we experience peace when we take everything to God in prayer. And here's the key. Are you ready? If you don't catch anything else, catch this. And you leave it. You leave it there with him. You, got, you got, lay it at the foot of the cross, say, here it is, God. And you don't go back. You leave it. And that's the hardest part. But that's, make, I mean, make no mistake, that's how we get God's shalom in our life. We fully trust in the fact that he is able and we leave it there with him. And we don't, we don't come back and start worrying, but we trust. And then we change our focus. This is so powerful. we got to change our focus We're not dwelling on the what-ifs anymore or worried about that whatever that thing it is that just consumes our life because we're focused on him and how big he is. Now we've turned our focus to him and we begin to think about things that are good and pure and all those things in scripture he says we need to begin to dwell on instead. You see, prayer is the pathway to Peace. It's Dr. Caroline Leaf in her book, Switch on Your Brain, has this powerful quote in relating to the brain and power. I've mentioned this before, but she said this, quote, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can actually change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. How about that? Not only does prayer help us experience God's peace, but prayer actually changes our brain, you know? The neurons in our brain, the new pathways it would make, you know, just like dwelling on toxic and negative thoughts and how they would harm us as we dwell on those, as we begin to dwell on uh, the Lord and, and the right things, the good things, we have peace and prayer actually begins to heal our brain. It actually begins to transform our brain and literally renews our mind. The path to peace is paved with prayer. So he says, you, God, will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, Lord, all those whose thoughts are fixed on him. In other words, once we've given everything to God and we've, we leave it there, we don't go back, we leave it with him because he's got it. Once we do that, now the battle is in our mind, right? It's it's on what we would choose to dwell on after that. That's what Scripture's saying. We've been hurt. You've, you've been hurt. We've all been hurt. You've been mistreated. Somebody said something offensive. Somebody did something. You take it to him and you leave it and he begins to do a healing. And then... You don't just stay stuck there. What, what, you choose to focus your mind on the right things, and whatever we choose to focus our mind on the most will greatly determine how much peace you'll experience in your life. And Here's what it comes down to, more than anything else, this is a question I've been asking in the last two years of myself when my mind starts going where it shouldn't go do I really want to spend my day focusing on that? Do I really want to ruin my day by focusing on that hurt or on that offense? Because if I choose to dwell on that, man, it's going to cause me just to be mad, upset, feel resentment, Uh, going to make me stay offended. It's going to ruin my day. So Paul says if you want Peace of mind, then you've got to learn to take captive every negative thought and make it obedient to Christ. You have to choose what you allow yourself to dwell on. You know, Christ has come to be our gift of peace. He says, you know what, you'll, you'll never, the scriptures say, we'll never fully experience that until we first deal with the spiritual, the spiritual part. Jesus came first and foremost to restore peace between us and God. So spiritually, in 2 Corinthians 5, look, God sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. So it has to begin with the spiritual. And here's where we're going to land tonight. Why do we need Christ to restore our relationship in order for us to have peace with God and peace in our heart and peace with ourselves? Because the Bible says you and I were born into sin, all right? And that we have this thing inside of us called a sin nature. I mean, you know what it's like. I know what it's like. Our sin nature says, I know what God says to do, but I'm not going to do that. I want to do, do it my way. You know, I want to I do my own thing. I know what God says to do, but I'm going to make up my own rules, all right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to what the Bible says. I'm just going to do my own thing. And, the, and Scripture tells us that when we do that, we're actually pretending to be God. And when we ignore what God says to do, and we just go on and do our own little thing, the Bible calls that an act of rebellion. And that it's that sin that separates us from the God who loves us and it puts us in conflict with him and it causes a disconnect. And whenever there's a disconnect, there's never gonna be peace. God doesn't want you to be disconnected. That's why he sent his son, the Prince of Peace, so that you would be connected with him. You see, someone had to pay the price for our sin. And who do you think that perfect sacrifice could be? It's none of us. It could only be his perfect lamb, the son of God. He became our substitute, the one who least deserved it, voluntarily went to the cross for you and me. And the good news this Christmas is that the forgiveness of sin has been made available to every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are. AND IF YOU'VE NEVER PUT YOUR FAITH AND TRUST IN JESUS CHRIST BEFORE, IF YOU'VE NEVER INVITED HIM INTO YOUR LIFE BEFORE, THE GOOD NEWS IS THAT HE WANTS TO BE YOUR PRINCE OF PEACE AND HE WANTS TO BE YOUR SAVIOR. HE WANTS THE ONE WHO FREES YOU FROM ANY SHAME OR GUILT AND PAST. HE WANTS TO GIVE YOU A NEW HEART, A NEW LIFE AND A HOME IN HEAVEN FOREVER. THAT'S WHAT, THAT'S THE GOOD NEWS OF THE BIBLE. CHRISTMAS IS FOR ANYONE WHO'D SAY, GOD, I'M NOT PERFECT. I CAN NEVER BE PERFECT. BUT I HAVE DECIDED TO LIVE MY LIFE FOR YOU. AND MOST PEOPLE THINK, YOU KNOW, I've got, IF I'M EVER GOING TO BE RIGHT WITH GOD, I'VE GOT TO DO THIS MYSELF. I'VE GOT TO EARN MY WAY TO HEAVEN. BUT YOU KNOW WHAT? THAT'S NOT BIBLICAL. YOU WON'T FIND THAT IN ANY PAGE IN SCRIPTURE. THE TRUTH IS, YOU AND I CANNOT SAVE ourselves. WE CAN'T EARN IT. THAT'S WHY IT SAYS IN EPHESIANS 2, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, not from earning or trying to be good enough. It is the gift of God. You can't earn a gift. A gift is given. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one would boast. You see, saving is all his idea, and it's all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it, And it's God's gift from start to finish, amen? I mean, this is good news. So no matter who you are or what you've done or how far you've strayed or no matter how bad you think you've maybe screwed up, the Bible says if you will put your faith and trust in Christ and turn from your way and begin to live his way and make him Lord, in other words, trust in him fully, the Bible says he'll forgive you of your sin God wants you in his family. The very reason you exist, even exists, is because God wants you in his family. He wants to adopt you into his family. You say, well, Mark, are you telling me that not everybody's a child of God? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's what the scripture says. But God loves everybody, and he's made a way for every one of us to be connected to him in a right relationship, through his son, but you've got to choose. You've got to say, God, I'm tired of doing things my way. I'm tired of playing God. And I'm going to make you first on the throne of my heart, and I'm going to turn from my way and go yours. You say, well, how do you do that? Well, let me introduce you to a life-changing prayer here. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What's that mean? That he is first, that he is at the center of everything in your life. He is number one. He's the one you put your full trust in. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he really came to this earth 2,000 years ago, died for our sins. We put him on a cross, but he rose again in three days. If you believe that, the Bible says you will be saved. IT MAKES NO DIFFERENCE WHO YOU ARE. I'M SO THANKFUL GOD LOVES AND CARES FOR AND INVITES SIN-FILLED PEOPLE INTO HIS FAMILY. AREN'T YOU? I MEAN THAT he, HE INVITES MESSED UP, JUNKED UP PEOPLE LIKE, like ME, LIKE YOU, MISTAKE MAKING PEOPLE, GRACE NEEDING PEOPLE, HURTING PEOPLE, BROKEN PEOPLE. HE SAYS, COME. DOESN'T MATTER WHO YOU ARE, WHAT YOU'VE DONE, HOW BAD YOU THINK YOU'VE MESSED UP. God's arms are stretched out, and he says, come on, come on, welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. I've been waiting here at the end of the driveway for you because I love you. If you're ready to restore that relationship with me, I'm ready to forgive, and I'm ready to give you new life and a new spiritual birth. and peace. But you got to choose. The Bible says, choose you this day who you'll serve. You have to make a decision to put your faith and trust in Him and make Him Lord. If you'd like to do that, it would be an honor for me to lead you in a prayer here as we close. So if you'll bow your head right now with me and close your eyes. It's just a holy moment. And this isn't a magical prayer. It's just a simple prayer a biblical prayer, and just say, Jesus, thank you. Just tell him, God, thank you for providing a way for me to be at peace. Thank you for sending the Prince of Peace for me so that I could be at peace with you, so I could be at peace with myself, and so I could be at peace with others as much as possible as far as my part. God, thank you. And I believe that you came to die for my sins. I believe that. I believe that you came 2,000 years ago and died and you rose from the dead. I believe that. And God, I'm not perfect. Just telling God, I'm not perfect, but I humble myself before you. I know I can never be perfect. But today, this Christmas Eve, I humble myself before you and say, without your covering, what you did for on the cross, your blood that was shed for me, I could never stand right before you, a holy God. So as a profession of my faith, I'm taking this next step. I don't want to live my life for you. Thank you for forgiving me. Fill me with your spirit. Just inviting, fill me with your spirit. Empty me of me and fill me with you. I receive you into my life. Thank you, Lord, for adopting me into your family. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You know, I'm believing just like any other services that many of you maybe prayed that for the first time tonight. Others of you made a decision to return and recommit your life to Christ. So at this time, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me, if you'll stand. I'm gonna ask everybody to take out, this is a tradition that we have at Brandywine, and I love it. I'm gonna ask you to take out your cell phones and all of this is gonna take courage for those of you who just made that decision. But you know, if he's Lord, you really don't give a rip what other people think, right? You're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, those of you who made that decision, I'm going to ask you if you recommitted your life or if you uh, received Christ for the first time, I'm going to ask them to dim the lights right now. And for those of you who did that, I'm going to ask you to turn on your light and hold it up high with everybody else. All right, here's others. Those of you who made a commitment to Jesus Christ, just hold up your flashlight right now. Come on. The courage... It's courage. Come on. (laughs) Wow. Here we go. In Jesus' name. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. It's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, you know, the Bible says he is the light of the world. And the rest of us who've done that, who've made him Lord, why don't we just do it together? Let's take out our lights. And all across the congregation, if if he's Lord of your life tonight, he is the light of the world. You shine that up. It's beautiful. Aren't you thankful? That's what Christmas is all about. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Well, hey, uh, while you got your cell phone out, those of you who did make a first-time commitment or recommitment, and you would like to let us know, that's up to you. You can hide if you want, or you can let us know, but there's a QR code up on the screen, and we would love to feed you information on ways that you can grow. Uh, different uh, ways here and so you're invited to do that. I'm going to run my battery down if I don't find my off button. All right. Uh, You can be seated for a second. Those of you who made a decision for Christ, I invite you uh, to pick up one of these gift boxes on your way out. It's got a New Believer's Bible and there's a QR code with a card on it there. You can download our music, uh, worship music and Sing along with that in the car if you'd like. And there's also a track in there that help you track your growth and, and the next steps that you would take. Hey, uh, just don't forget uh, here this coming Sunday, we are having worship service, but not here, not in this building. Uh, we're having it in our homes. And so uh, gather your family around to worship with us. We have a very special service plan for you. Be sure and tune in at our regular uh, service times at home in your PJs with your new pajamas on from Christmas, all right? We have a brand new teaching series that starts uh, the first Sunday in January called Invisible War, the Reality of Spiritual Warfare. And if you're looking for a way to grow this new year, you don't want to miss this. Come back for this series we're launching a 22 days of prayer. I know we used to do 20, a lot of 21 days of stuff. We're going into the year 22. We're going to do 22 days, all right? And, and uh, we're going to provide a 22-day prayer guide and daily devotion for you, and we're going to grow together, so don't miss that. Well, hey, next tradition. I love it. Uh, and this is, a, this is a good one, because if we're not careful, it's easy for us to move into this new year Only to look back in every mirror and realize, okay, all my my family gatherings and the parties, they're done. The gift giving, that's all done. All the eating of the food, it's all done. And the only thing we didn't get done, maybe, is we never took the moment to turn to our family or our friends that we love and look at them and just say it. I am so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that God put you in my life. And I'm thankful that you married me. <laughs> and I am thank Yeah, you need to tell your spouse that. And you need to tell your children that. You need to tell the friend that you brought or sitting next to you that. Now, this is not a get up and greet time, okay? This isn't a big COVID party here. This is just, this is just you sitting next to the people that you came with. And you're looking at them and saying, hey, I want you to know I'm so grateful for you and that God put you in my life. And just speaking words of affirmation and encouragement. We only have one rule here on this one. Don't do anything strange with someone you do not know. All right? All right? <laughs> Nothing weird with strangers. And, uh, but other than that, just look next to you, those people that came with you, and speak words of affirmation as we sing A prayer of peace over you and your family this Christmas. So, all right.